Albert Latino Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making his monthly appearance on the program. It's his monthly appearance to the senior editor at Fangraphs.com. It's Jeff Sullivan. Jeff Sullivan is the guest. As usual, it is a delight to speak with Sullivan. And also, as per usual, as is typical of his appearances in the program, not every last second of what follows is dedicated to the sport of baseball. And if the listener is indeed looking for the same sort of crack analysis that appears at Fangraphs.com, he or she would be well-suited, well-suited. In any case, it would make sense for them to listen to the weekly appearances by Dave Cameron, managing editor Dave Cameron in the program, who analyzes all baseball on a weekly basis. He said this conversation with Sullivan is dedicated to matters simultaneously practical and macabre. For example, in such cases as when Sullivan considers the advantages of a catastrophic earthquake in the Pacific Northwest of the United States. Okay, so a big earthquake hit. 9.0 earthquake hits Portland yeah. and Seattle in the Northwest. How f***ing soon do you think David Applin's going to be like, okay, well, you better write some articles. More of those dark, whimsical flights, and also that specific dark, whimsical flight in what follows. But first, allow me to introduce you to a sponsor's message. The sponsor this week, as it has been in recent episodes, is SeatGeek. Have you ever been frustrated by trying to buy tickets online? You find sites either too complicated or too willing to attempt to trick you and charge fees only when you enter the checkout area of your transaction. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. Not only does SeatGeek make it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets, they're also not devious liars. It's another advantage of SeatGeek. You know, purchasing tickets can be full of work and hassle. Well, what SeatGeek has done is to take the work and also the hassle out of that particular equation. What they do is to pull tickets from other ticket sites all into one place, to aggregate them so that it's always possible to find the cheapest tickets. And you can also set alerts for upcoming games or events or concerts or comedy shows or whatever sort of live entertainment you prefer. And SeatGeek will inform you when ticket prices fall. Even better for you, because you are a nerd. You with your glasses are a nerd. SeatGeek assesses every ticket a grade based on value. So it's always easy to find underpriced seats. This is Moneyball, as it were, applied to the purchase and or sale of sports tickets. And best of all, as I mentioned, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. One thing they might surprise you with is a $20 rebate. As a listener of Fangraphs Audio, you are entitled to one. Here's how you get it. Download the free SeatGeek app. Go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code. Add a Promo Code. Enter the promo code Fangraphs. That's F-A-N-G-R-A-P-H-S. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download that free SeatGeek app and enter the promo code Fangraphs today. Or if not today, at your nearest possible convenience. That is the end of the sponsor's message. Let us get to the beginning of a conversation. What is it? It's Fangraphs Audio. Who does it feature? Jeff Sullivan in conversation. And what does it begin right now? Skype for the first time in in the last month, and then it it updates its entire program, <clears throat> yeah. and so you can you can observe the significant differences in the platform. You know, one time, maybe oh, this is years ago, five years. <laughs> um, it's a unit measure. Five years ago, say in the early days of Fangraphs Audio, mm. I was prompted to update Skype, and then it. Uh, and it, um, shortly before I was going to have a big, I had landed a big interview with Keith Law of ESPN.com. 
mm-hmm. prospect analyst Keith Law. Yeah. And I had just updated Skype, and it crashed, I don't know, maybe five, seven times. And uh, I was still a whelp of a baseball writer and podcast host. Well, to be clear, what exactly do you think of yourself now? You know, there is something that happens with repetition. I think this is episode 600-something. God. Yeah, I know. No, no, I mean, that's <laughs> that, that brings about a whole other set of... Um, problems, but uh, but I I kind of know I know how to do want this one thing. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. So, you uh, yeah. And and it doubles as as conversational training for you. This is so, true. You got to get out there. You got to talk yeah. to people. My point is though, I have not updated Skype once since then. That's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. I I like to refer to myself as the bad boy of Skype updates. That's interesting. So you, you, somebody could open your computer and then open Skype, and then it's like a portal back to 2011. Yeah. Well, or since when I bought the the present computer, which was or whatever that is. But yeah. that, like that computer doesn't even know what happened to Lady Gaga yet. No, it does not. Wait, what yeah. happened to Lady Gaga? I don't know. I just feel like she hasn't done anything for a while. Oh. <laughs> Did someone happen to something? People, people are always dying. Uh-uh. People are always dying, but almost at at actually at, at an even higher rate. Uh, people are always becoming alive. Yeah, that's true. But they're always like they're really anonymous when they're born. That's the problem. You're like, oh, who cares? Yeah, yeah. You know? And then you have to feign interest whenever you meet them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, speaking of um, feigning interest, I was talking to Matthew Corey today. <laughs> Colleague Matthew Corey, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, he relayed to me a fact about his home that I thought might interest you as well. And I uh-huh. don't know if this is uh, free for me to disseminate this information, but it's happening. Uh-huh. I I don't have express written consent. I don't have express out uh, uh, spoken verbal consent. You have no permission to say what you're going to say. No, but he's getting his house seismically retrofitted. Yeah, he uh, he was. I don't know how many days that takes, but he uh, he invited me over for a beer last week and I couldn't go because I was doing something else but it was a really nice day to just sit on the patio and have a beer okay. and then I was like well sorry I can't go I'm doing something else and so he texted me later to say well actually nobody sat on any porches and drank any beer because they were retrofitting the house uh, which seismically makes, seismically retrofitting the house which makes a uh, cacophonous racket uh, which I did not get to hear but I feel like uh, I probably was only about 10 minutes away from his house where I was Mm-hmm. And I wonder if I had just listened carefully, I would have been able to identify the sound of Mathicory's house being seismically retrofitted. He said, here's how he explained it. And I don't know if he was making it simpler uh, for my simpleton's brain. But uh-huh. he said essentially what they do is they put sta- they staple your house to the foundation. Yeah, that's my understanding of, okay, of right. it. So, uh, yeah, they just go in and they're like, well, here's some, I don't know, maybe it's kind of like putting a screw in your bone. Just to make sure things stay together. Screw so bones. <laughs> that, was, that was like a Stewie Griffin voice. Yeah. So I don't know really how they uh, get get in there because you know your house is on the foundation, right? So how? Yeah, all up in there. But there's a there's a very simple explanation to this. I don't know it. I'm never gonna know it. He's well. Here, this might provide a clue. Mm. Uh, here are two facts he relayed to me. Is one, they removed the siding uh, the, on the lower portion of his house. Mm-hmm. That might give you some sort of clue. Uh-huh. And another one is there was a, there was a hole in his home. <laughs> there was a <laughs> hole in his house. You could just put your arm. Well, there still is, I think. 
So if you're anywhere near Matthew Corey's house, you could just walk right in to his ba- to his basement. It's exposed, I guess. I don't know. That's like uh, a wound. He's got a big hole in his home. Yeah, that's the heal. That's interesting because it was over the winter that his basement flooded. Yeah. Uh, because there was apparently too many holes in his home. Yes, no, there's more cracks in the foundation. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Now I learned uh, this weekend. I had, uh, of course, um, well, you don't know this necessarily, but my wife and I recently we uh, we recently had an offer accepted on a home. Oh. And so we're learning a lot in a very short amount of time. Yes. But uh, we were present for a home inspection this past weekend, and I learned that horiz- no, sorry, vertical cracks uh, are not uh, in the foundation uh, are not as troubling as horizontal cracks. So. <laughs> Mm-hmm. At least according to I would I would like to say, well no I'll I'll bring that up later though. I have a debt of gratitude to the uh, to the home inspector. He's a good guy. You're gonna you're gonna bring that up later. We're gonna circle back to this. Yeah, we're gonna circle back. I'm gonna letterman you. Do you know the letterman that as a strategy? You know. I the, feel like I do now. I didn't pl- before, but you, I feel like I've done the math. Yeah, you plant the seed and then uh, you you know, one joke and then you sort of uh, you weave it in. It's like a tapestry of jokes. You know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. You know how I always like to I like to do a lot of textile based humor. <laughs> so fine. essentially, you're referring to a callback. People love callbacks. Audiences. Oh, love okay, callbacks. sure. If you want to, if you want to uh, coin a neologism. Oh, I didn't coin it. This is how I learned it. I, I did not learn it as a letterman because I'm not 49 years older. Mm-hmm. You're not more. 49, so it's true. Now I'm not. I? I'm not 49. I never will be, as a matter of fact. Here's a question. Uh, yeah. Among all the words that exist in, in English, do you think that neologism um, sounds the, the dirtiest relative to its actual meaning? Well, okay, so the one that I think you have to come back to is the one you learn in seventh grade, masticate, mastication. Oh, right? mas- masticate is a great one. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's the first one that comes to my head. Okay, so masticate, do you think that sounds dirtier or 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 less dirty than neologism? I think it sounds dirtier. Okay. That's fine. No, that's great. But no, I yeah. think your grade is good. I was thinking of another <laughs> one. I was thinking of another one. You know, there's uh, this is a... An old reliable, when you're an older person talking to a younger person, you inform them that their epidermis is showing. Uh-huh. I was, I conceived of, a, of actually a pretty elaborate scenario in my head, uh, in which, in which <laughs> this involves me having a child with, uh, with bad eczema. Okay. The child, <laughs> the child, it's a young child, but, uh, but, um, uh, what's this when like a child acts a little bit older? Precocious. It's a precocious child, right? So the uh-huh. child knows what epidermis means, and uh, and I say like, hey, hey, your epidermis is showing, and the kids like, uh, <laughs> the kids like, you know, I know that means skin. It's nothing dirty. It means skin. I'd be like, yeah, but you can, you got gross skin because of all your <laughs> eczema. <laughs> you should cover it up. <laughs> and that's what you say to a kid. You know how you say that to kids. You gotta teach them the. <laughs> The way of the world at a young age. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never missed a showing. I, Dad, I know that that just means skin. I know, yeah, I know it means skin too. We both know it means skin. Look at your dumb skin. <laughs> yours is disgusting. Yeah, yours is gross. You should moisturize. <laughs> you <laughs> you must have got that from your mother because you yeah. didn't get it from me. No, I actually, do, I do, I do have eczema. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's weird. I don't know if this happens to other Italian people. Uh, if people, feel free to, feel free to respond in the comment section. <laughs> but I, uh, um, I know my, both my uncle and my father have it. We have greasier than average hair, um, 
which is too fitting the stereotype, but we also uh, we also have problems with dry scalp. So the mm. hair itself is greasier, but this but the scalp itself uh, there's problems with flaking. Luckily, I found uh, luckily I found a uh, a dandruff shampoo that works for me. It's Jason Brand dandruff shampoo. Works for me. Also, one other thing I've noticed is that if, if I shower, um, if I shower at least every other day, that also mitigates the problem. I wasn't doing that before. Anyway, hey, Jeff, it's a real pleasure to talk to you. Okay, well, you can keep talking if you want to, but I'm just going to watch some baseball here. <laughs> Who are you watching today? Well, I was watching the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks, and it, uh, well, it, it didn't, it didn't captivate me. Okay. And the Tigers and the Pirates didn't captivate me. It was okay. a nice little, uh, step back on the Juan Nicasio train. People, people Ooh. thinking he's fixed, that he's going to be a good starter. Well, he sure wasn't a good starter today. Not today. No. No, he, uh, he had as many walks against the Tigers as he had in all of spring training. That's so that's, good. uh, that's bad. Do you, I want to say this. I, hmm. uh, was able to listen to the Tigers game yesterday, maybe, or the day before. Yep. And I, I listened with the radio feed. I don't, I don't know the call, the call letters for the radio station there in Detroit. But Dan Dickerson is a real pleasure. And I think he works with Jim Price. And they have, they're very good together. They respect each other. And Dan Dickerson, is a great combination. Uh, he has great. Um, he's technically skilled, um, but he also offers a lot in the way of analysis and just sort of uh, personal charm. I would say, I would say it's a real pleasure to listen to him call a game. So if you have that opportunity in the future, I think today's. Uh, I don't know what, if it was available today. So there you go. There you go. Who's the Who's the Pirates' main TV guy? Uh, so play by play. you have wandered into a a tangled web, Jeff. the The Pittsburgh broadcast situation is is a confusing one because uh-huh. no one actually has a fixed role. They go back okay. and forth freely from TV to radio. Uh, Joe Block, for example, who was most recently at WTMJ as Bob Euchre's, um colleague. Okay. He was recently hired by the Pirates, and I believe on opening day at least he was calling the game with Bob Walk. Um, but I believe he goes to radio as well. But Wait, both of them, I think. Block and walk. Block and walk. Oh, block that's a good walk. point. <laughs> that's a good yeah, point. Yeah, that's fun. I like yeah. that. I like that theme. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know exactly who the announcer is, but the Pirates have one one play-by-play guy uh, in particular who just draws me up the wall. I, I don't think it's necessarily his analysis or or whatever it is, but it seems like whenever he gets excited, his voice just hits this uh, this this plane of mm-hmm. of existence, and it just it drives me. You know, Insane. it's a, it's, uh, it just conveys a little. Uh, that that's right, possibly you, you one of the. I'm going to think about this a little it, more. That's possibly one of the more profound possible insults that you could that you could uh, calculate. You're saying when he gets excited, when he when he feels in himself, when he feels uh, enthusiastic about his job. And then he's performing his job, which is to talk about the actions that are occurring on the field. When he's in that state, yeah. that's when he's least appealing to you. Yeah, that's when he sucks. Is when he's really <laughs> when he's really jazzed about what's going on. Uh-huh. Uh, I haven't thought. About By the way, you accuse me of being that. 49, but you, you just used the past participle of the verb to jazz. So balls in your court, balls back in your court, Sullivan. I don't know what decade you were born in. Yeah, jazzed up. 
What's the synonym? I don't know. Um, uh, oh, right. Any number of words. Like any, exci- Okay. Very excited, <laughs> enthusiastic. Almost countless, countless potential synonyms for yeah. jazz. Pumped. Uh, when he's really pumped. Really amped up. Yeah, he's so, amped. I don't know what it is. Because obviously when you listen to Hawk Harrelson, right, he's, uh, he's very excited. He's very clearly uh, pulling for the White Sox. And so there's there's no... There's no getting around anything. Like it's, you know what you're in for when you're listening to Hawk Harrelson. But this Pirates guy, I don't know which one it is. Uh, but I was going through a bunch of Gre- Gregory Polanco highlights uh, yesterday because I thought I was going to write something and then I didn't know what uh, I was doing. But uh, it was a lot of highlights of Gregory Polanco doing good things, which is uh, those are mostly what highlights are. They're not lowlights. Mm-hmm. And whenever he would deliver like a clutch hit, there's there's this guy and he was he just has a voice that irritates me, which is not fair, but it is what it is. Let's just put put it out there and he gets so excited and he sounds like a fan and it conveys almost like this this broadcaster arrogance that it puts me off it's kind of like the hawk harrelson that no one else is talking about yet Uh, (laughs) he's he's like younger and uh, so he's got longer in the game because this is harrelson's last year right yeah i don't i don't that might be true i do know that he actually here's an interesting thing with regard to uh, hawk harrelson he um, is has grown older, mm. and he wants to cut down on his job a little bit. Uh, on and and so now he he's working roughly half the games, but the games he's working are the road games. Oh. And you and you would say, oh, if you're inter- if you were interested, for example, like Vin Scully, mm-hmm. uh, maybe I don't know if Bob Uecker, I don't know what his current status is. I know that uh, after he'd had surgery at one point, I think he was doing uh, home games for the time being, uh, but certainly it applies to Vin Scully. Um, you'd say, well, why wouldn't you just do home games and and, and not not travel on the road? Well, here's the thing. I think he lives 90 miles away from uh, Cellular Field or whatever it's called. Good guy. Yeah, and so he doesn't – so it's actually easier for him to travel on the road because then, of course, he's within the greater proximity of the road ballparks. Otherwise, he'd be – he has a 180-mile round trip. I know that for a fact. Yeah, so he's he's cut that out of his schedule, and he only goes on road trips. God, can you imagine? Could, do you remember? Maybe you remember. Do you remember what it's like to have a commute for work? Uh, yeah, vaguely. Yeah, I, I, oh. did, I did when I was in Portland at Mount Hood Community College. Yeah, yeah, oh, that is nuts. Like I, I hear about anyone's my my girlfriend. She goes to work three miles away, a little less than three miles from here. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's nothing, and then, but still, that commute it's sufficient. You know, like rush hour when there's enough. Crazy bullshit happening on the roads. People are driving insane, and then she'll come home, and she'll be like, "The roads were terrible. It was a miserable commute for three miles. Three miles is enough to drive her crazy." I have a friend. Does she drive in a in a car? Well, sometimes she drives, sometimes she walks, sometimes she bikes. It kind yeah. of depends on on yeah. conditions. But even even that commute can make somebody crazy. And then my commute is the longer part of my commute is actually going downstairs and make breakfast and bring it back upstairs. Yeah, yeah. No, I think there actually is. Uh, one, uh, I don't know, one study determined, I think, probably from from uh, feedback, from, you know, reader feedback or whatever, that it, 12 or 16 minutes w- was considered the ideal commute. And I actually I've... see some wisdom to having some commute because it provides a sort of a space where you can transition from your the home version of yourself to the work version of yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I suspect, 
Well, maybe if it was a consistent 12 to 16 minutes, but you know, traffic can develop and things can take sure. longer. There can be accidents, but I don't know. I feel like maybe a two block walk would be perfect if my office were two blocks away. Uh, two, and two, granted, oh, just two blocks, huh? Yeah, but I mean, if you're walking it, then that's at least a few minutes to get to clear your head. But I don't, I guess I don't see the point of those extra five or ten minutes. Yeah. No, I don't know. People, I don't know. People could, could be like three, could be four songs, five songs, maybe something like that. If you want to listen to music, some little podcast where you just have this, the silence. I do like a 10 to 15 minute walk. I'll say that. I do. That's nice. I think. Yeah. Exchange. Yeah. You can, brain kind of helps up the brain. When's the last time you went on a hike? Went on a hike, huh? Yeah. Mm, it's been a while. Although actually I was, uh, my wife and I were making incredibly vague future plans for a hike uh, within the past hour uh-huh. uh, on the uh, Via Alpina. The Via Alpina. You read about this? Do you know about this? I'm about to. Well, it's it, I guess there's a most recent New Yorker. There's an article about it or a recent edition of the New Yorker. Okay, so that translates to Alpine Way? Sure. And it's a path, I guess, that's... Uh, well, of course, now that it's been written about in the New Yorker and the flooded with New York liberals. But, you know, uh, previ- I guess until now, uh, it's been... I don't, I don't know if, it, if you even call it a well-kept secret. I think it's... I, I don't think that anyone's been trying to keep it a secret. Just by accident, it hasn't been very popular, but apparently it's quite <laughs> beautiful. Uh, it's quite beautiful. It goes between, I think, eight different countries, not uh, including but not limited to, I don't know, Austria, Slovenia. Oh, okay. So this is not like a thing that you have in... Maine or New Hampshire? No, is, no, no, no. This is very much European. Yes, this is, a, and we only have the vaguest uh, plans to to, uh-huh. to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Other well, than that, uh, hike. You know, I like walking around a like a place, like inside of a place. So maybe an urban hike. I took some oh. very long walks. When we were in Paris, France recently. Okay, so what, where do you draw the line between a walk and a hike? What's yeah, I, I have it for you. I have yeah. it. Uh, walk has a destination. There is some use in in you. It's like a like a commute essentially. I have to go. I want to go to a place, but you maybe pick a destination that is some distance away from you know your current location. Okay, I don't agree with this. <laughs> Here's why. Because uh, first of all, the hikes that I've gone on for the most part have destinations. You yeah, get but there they're dumb destinations. You're not doing. Okay, anything. well, so is fucking office. Uh, well, I, that's a bad time to have a brain fart about office supply stores. Office Depot is a store <laughs> I was going for, or Staples. But also, what about just like an aimless walk around the neighborhood? You're just going to clear your head. You want to walk for 20 minutes. What's your destination? Your own, your own front door? I don't know, but I don't, that, that, that type of walk does not appeal to me. You're just aimlessly going around the neighborhood. It does not appeal to me. I feel it makes me anxious. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't care. It's not about what appeals to you. It's about the That's actual it, definition. People take these walks. What about like old people who just go on a walk for exercise around oh, the neighborhood? Like a passeggiata? Like a passeggiata? I don't know. <laughs> There's like a time in Italy when, you know, you're on the streets and you see no one and then all of a sudden, at, as if it's been, as if it's been coordinated by the government, everyone is just immediately on the streets. I don't know when it is, 5, 5.30, The streets are flooded, and then people are walking around. They're milling. There's a lot of milling. Yeah. And then – like, uh, like what? Like in a mill? Oh, like a baseball fight. I just – I feel like it's always just people milling around. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of milling. There's less, less violence. It depends where you are in Italy, I suppose. And, <laughs> and then, and then uh, it, it, with the same sort of precision that it began, it also ends. 
and it's just now the streets are empty again. Everyone knows what time. There's no bell though. I don't, to the best of my knowledge, it's just, I don't know, it's just a hardwired in the DNA. You know when to go walking. Like a constitutional. That's like an evening constitutional. Huh? Or it's like a flash mob. Right, but it, but it's a, um, I don't know, accidental flash mob. I think that's what cities are frequently, right? <laughs> <laughs> cities are accidental flash mobs constantly. Yeah. 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 It's, it's not uncommon to go and discover how many other people are intended to do the exact same thing that you were doing at a given moment. Yeah. So you wait, always think so, you're special until you like go to the park and realize how many other people are having a picnic in the park. So what to answer your question though, my definition of walk, that was my definition of walk. Hike, I think hike almost definitely implies natural surroundings, mm-hmm. a path of some sort, probably not a paved path, probably a dirt path. That seems to be a possibility. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, you just a few minutes ago used the uh, the term urban hike. I did. That was a neologism. <laughs> so masticate on that, Sullivan. <laughs> and Letterman. Boom. I Letterman Letterman. Look how well it went over. <laughs> uh. <laughs> what have you been up to? Bought that house. Yeah. Hey, listen. I formulated. Hey, listen. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Talk. No, you talk all. I was I've, I was formulating in advance of this. I formulated. I thought there was a nice little thought experiment that we could conduct huh. together. Okay. And and it has to do with now. I normally do not subscribe to any attempt on one's person's part to say this sport A is better than sport B, right? That to me is this not very appealing to me. I understand that people have wildly different tastes. If you know, if you like uh, highlight, if highlight is your favorite sport and you like it because it's the fastest sport in the world, that's great. You like highlight. I don't necessarily like highlight. You like highlight. That's fine. I was thinking though of, of a possibly instructive exercise, which is this, and it involves it involves coaches. It involves how, how coaches are expected to conduct themselves in various sports. And this, to me, I mean, there is certainly this taste involved in which which mode you prefer. But there's not – it's sort of objective in in how you go about diagnosing the behavior of coaches, right? And I actually, in this case, I prefer how baseball coaches behave or are expected to behave generally. Is that it's a long game. A baseball game is long, right? There are a lot of them, and it's a long season. And baseball coaches, by and large, are kind of just sitting there, right? Is that mm-hmm. is that true? They're observing. They're quiet. Maybe they're chatting. Are we referring to coaches or managers specifically? Sure, managers. I say coaches generally, managers specifically. Okay. Well, I don't think they're saying. I think they're leaning. They're not really. Okay. Oh, that's even better. Leaning, by the way, one of the best human postures there is. Oh, with that question. Yeah, leaning is great. There's there's a lot of leaning. You're allowed to have snacks at the same time. Yep. You could the 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 outfits are silly. Because you're dressed like your players, and yet you're typically 30 years older than them or whatever, <laughs> and so it's not a great look. But I was I was thinking about this in particular. This this thought actually started with basketball coaches. Um, my wife currently teaches at a school where basketball is a very important sport, um, and a number of the 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 guys on the team, the varsity team, end up playing Division One basketball, and it's a it's important. I I know the basketball coaches; they're they're great guys, but the amount of effort. And stress 
that is required of a basketball coach during a game is is does not appeal to me. And in this course, you know, if you watch any of the Final Four, for example, this it's a real emotional investment. There's constant shouting and gesticulating, and uh, it looks like a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what do you what? And then, of course, there are other sports. I don't necessarily know. You might be able to inform me about hockey. What? Is, how does a how does a hockey coach conduct himself during the course of a game? Oh well, you wear a suit, which uh, which is a good look. You wear a suit and you stand behind the bench. All your players are sitting, but you are standing, and you gen- generally have your hands uh, in front of you or behind you, and you look forward, and uh, sometimes you chew gum. Uh, you complain about calls by the referee, and to, you to allow the refs, your... though. Can you do? Is there any? Is there really any way to have a dialogue with the refs? Because, like in basketball, for example, you can like take them aside, like during a timeout or whatever. Yeah. So obviously, the coach can't go out on the ice to go complain because he's wearing shoes. He'd look silly. <laughs> he would look silly. Sometimes the referee will come over to offer an explanation, or if there's a break, they'll they can have uh, a dialogue of varying. Levels of animation, animatedness, uh, but otherwise, I don't know how much the coaches are in control of, uh, the head coaches are in control of line changes versus how much is the assistant coach, cause, uh, I think, I think the assistant coach is usually the one who's choosing the lines and then the head coach is essentially there to guide practices. Maybe I'm completely wrong. But like, goalies have their own coach, uh, is there a coach for each line, or is there just a is there no, like a guy? No, because the lines the lines shuffle. A player can end up on the first line and the fourth line in the same game, depending on performance or or injuries. So you ha- you go into a game and you have four forward lines and three defense lines, but then they can be mixed around depending on the flow of things in the game. But I don't really know who's in charge of that, uh, and I'm sure the head coach is in some measure involved. But there's an element of uh, deferred trust, mm-hmm. perhaps. Yeah, but so what do you say? Th- what model do you most prefer? I mean, think. Well, about, tell me how you feel about the if you were tasked with being a, an NBA basketball coach, except for the fact that you probably don't aren't qualified at all for that role. <laughs> but you have, or a college basketball coach, but you just have to act like that for whatever, like an hour and a half, three times yeah. a week. Mm-hmm. Would Would you be able to? Does that appeal to you? No, I uh, I think that you need to. Show a certain emotional response to the flow of the game. If you're a basketball coach, your entire team is watching you. Things get heated, and uh, things get excited. And I don't want to operate at that level of stress for a sustained period of time. Granted, because it's a basketball game, you're really only stressed out for 20 minutes at the end of it because nobody gives a f- what happens in the first hour or 40 minutes. But I think that that's still. I would not choose a position for myself that requires any amount of sustained stress. Uh, which I think is why a baseball manager has a has a good because you can, for for all I know, managers fall asleep. I really, <laughs> I don't know what they're supposed to do during a game. Managers, what are they really in control of? I think that there's like, right. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think that there's probably an ongoing dialogue, right, with the pitching coach, uh, whoever's in charge of shifts, etc. Mm-hmm. There's sort of a a dialogue, a kind of investment in the game. If a pitcher, like when Juan Nicasio was pitching poorly today, you're probably discussing with, in that case, you know, if you're Clint Hurdle, you're talking with Ray Searage, you say, uh, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, if you're a ba- if you're like a good basketball team, right? Especially college, but 
for example, in the NBA as well, you're expected to win such a high percentage of games. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? The, I mean, how many of the Warriors won? Not not that that's representative of a typical year, but they've won. They're going to win what, like ninety percent of their games, right? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. A little less than ninety percent, eighty-five percent. Well, in baseball, it's like if you finish at five fifty, <laughs> that's really good. So I, ma- I imagine it's easy not. You're like, yeah, we lost. We're going to do that a bunch of times this year and still be the best team in the league. Yeah, no single baseball team ever finishes with what would be a passing grade in school. Yeah, well, that's true. What, I mean, what, well, how, how many teams finish with it? I feel like I should know this, but like, what? how frequent is a, is a 600 winning percentage? Well, 600 is, what, 97 wins, so you might have one or two teams do that a year. And then, I mean, if you want a C minus, so that's 70%, that's actually, let's call it 69.5%, mm-hmm. then you need to win 113 games, which has been done, what, like three times? Ever? Oh, God, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, like, for example, I mean, greater than just projections, the, the best team right now in terms of projections is the Cubs, I think, mm-hmm. and they're projected at 589. Yeah, they're failing out of school, losing scholarship. Yeah, and yet they're the best. They're the best. Yeah. And the worst is still 40%. So there's like a 20% band, a 20-point band, I should say. Yeah, this is kind of one of the reasons why baseball needs to have a long-ass season is because the teams are so generally so close. The talent level is so similar. Well, you have so many players who are affecting so much to play. And, and you, uh, I think you reveal this, I mean, as well as anyone could reveal it when you wrote about what the if there were LeBron James of baseball, essentially. Oh, yeah. And it would be, it's 20, what is it? No, because LeBron James could be worth 20 wins in a season. Right, and that's in a season that's half as long. Right, so it would be essentially 40, so it would have to be 40 wins. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, God, I forgot about that post. That was a, I well, forgot what even inspired that post. That was a few years ago. I think but it was yeah, pro- probably uh, because LeBron James was having a really good season. Yeah, probably. I think it was probably Just got to capitalize on that traffic, unrelated traffic. NBA... Um, NBA finals during the NBA finals. What if there? Mm-hmm. What if this guy were baseball? What if, what would the equivalent be? Yeah, there there is no equivalent though. You could lose. Yeah, no, you could. There can never be an equivalent. You could lose your best player. Wait, here's a well. I don't know. In baseball, can you lose your best player and still be and still make the playoffs? Well, Probably. the Cardinals spent last year basically without Adam Wainwright, right? And they won. What, like 95, 100 games? I don't know what the Cardinals finished with, but they didn't have their ace. Where was he? Yeah, he, uh, he had busted his Achilles. Oh, yeah, the Achilles. Right? He yeah. came back in September to throw like 20 innings, but still, they effectively did not have him. If you if you had that injury like two or three times, I think it would probably be fair to say right that your Achilles heel was your Achilles heel. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, if it weren't for my Achilles heel, that would be great. <laughs> it really is my Achilles heel. Yeah. It would be, I think that would be, I'm not saying it would be full compensation, but it would be a little bit, it would, I think it would at least, that, the pleasure of that would mm-hmm. at least make up a little bit, it would compensate a little bit for like how much of a bummer it was. He's <laughs> had to sit out. <laughs> it's such a, I think more than almost any other injury, that one, it, uh, it really, like, touches a nerve for me. I think, like, okay, obviously Tommy John is bad. You watch some pitchers who, like, break their elbows when they're pitching, and it's horrible to watch. They just, like, writhe around or... Oh, or, or Dan- what, Dan- what happened to Danny Winkler? Yeah, Danny Winkler. Oh, uh, and the or, Frank Viola, I mean, that, I think it's a similar idea. What ha- Do you remember when Frank Viola got injured? Or Tony Saunders, twice? 
Oh yeah, that? yeah, 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 yeah. Tony Saunders, and then there was a there was a Giants pitcher too. I think uh, Jay Powell. It happened to. I, maybe it was a different Braves reliever, but it was some. What about Mike Kruko? Yeah, sure. Right. We're just saying. Well, names okay, of now we're right just now. saying names of players. But uh, I, with the Achilles, so uh, the best defender in hockey, Dave Dravecki. His name is Eric Carlson, and he uh, he plays for the Ottawa Senators. Okay. And uh, some years ago, you might have even heard about this, but like I don't know, four or five years ago, Eric Carlson was making a play against the boards and, and the another children's player. writer. What's Eric what Carlson? Am I? Is this like a conversational delay? <laughs> Uh, Carlson was making a play along the boards, and then a, a player on the other team came up behind him and stepped with his skate on the back of his Ugh. foot, and he severed the uh, Achilles tendon. That is... And, yeah, right, that reaction right there that you're having right now... Oh, that's gross, that, though. Yeah, there's no... And, you know, the incredible thing is Carlson actually came back and played in the playoffs that year. But just to think of how that must feel and just <laughs> watching is- watching a player try to leave a playing surface with that injury what you just you've severed essentially your foot in a way and you try to take a step because you don't know what happened because it's your freaking achilles tendon but then you take a step and you're like well that's i have no control over my feet anymore it's just so brutal so i don't know that so one's I- that's terrible yeah it's terrible to think of it because i for some, i get a real picture in my head of a skate Going uh, through that tendon, it's not good. Uh, uh, I had an, uh, I have, I have, I currently have an uncle who years ago, I believe, was in attendance at a, an SEC football game of some sort. Alabama, someone was my guess. He was in Alabama. And during that game, the, the, the exact details of this are obviously wrong, but the point I want is what I want you to take away from it is he, someone, a player, maybe a running back, on the field, his Achilles heel, his Achilles snapped. His Achilles tendon snapped as he was running. And I don't know if it was necessarily uh, in reaction to anything as much as it was. And I think we've seen that before, too, right? Like Ryan Howard. And I think that's how it happened for Adam Wainwright, too, right? Like he was essentially just pushing out of the batter's box. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he said it sounded like a gunshot. Uh, throughout the stadium, it sounded like a gunshot because you know it's it's a there's a lot of tension there, and I don't know if that happens for anyone, but and I I remember also talking um, with an employer of mine years later. I, he I don't know he was he was a it was at a restaurant job I had, and he I don't know if he was did a lot of cocaine, but he acted like <laughs> this guy. But he had told me a story about one time when he had broken his Achilles, and he said it goes up your leg. His Achilles snapped and it goes up the back, like up the back of your calf. He could have been lying. He definitely loved cocaine, but he, God. he wouldn't have lied about that, but he, I, he had snapped his Achilles. Uh, yeah, it sounds terrible. And it sounds like, well, the, one of the terrifying things, right? It sounds like it can just happen. Yeah, that's the thing. Like yeah. right now, I'm looking at my, my ankle thinking, I don't want to move you. I just want to preserve you in a box. And Don't move around. Interest. Don't move around. That's the secret. I know. Don't it's go so for a hike. Easy to get injured. Don't go for a hike, Jeff Sullivan. No, no more hiking. No more hiking for Jeffy Sullivan. No more moving. What is a so uh, so we what is a soccer coach like? I think what a soccer coach is maybe it's a little bit like a hockey coach. It seems like he kind of yeah. roams. I feel like he roams around over there. He's not. Yeah. Getting, There's a lot of pacing. I think. Yeah, there's a lot of pacing. 
And he's not, but it's not like, it's not a ton of active coaching. I feel like sometimes you see, you say, oh, you guys switch or switch to this formation, but you can't really because it, your players are so f- widely scattered. <laughs> you can't give a lot of active direction. Right. Right. I think you, when you're, and there's also no real breaks, right? So you don't even have like a timeout to tell your players something different to do. You have the halftime when you go in for your orange slices and maybe the coach has to slice the oranges, but I think during a game. What if he accidentally slices Achilles, his Achilles (laughs) tendon while he's, so how'd that get in the way? God, I can't think of that injury. You don't like this it, all right. Is, no, sorry, I don't oh, believe it. I'll talk Well, on the plus side, Eric Carlson is back now, and he's like, once again the best defender in the sport, so well, that's, that's wonderful. That's good for he's him. A, it's just good in theory. I don't know Eric Carlson. And no, it doesn't matter. Atrocities but, uh, but happen hey, every day, a, but do you like to hear that? Yeah. <laughs> People die every day, but Eric Carlson averaged a point a game on a team that went nowhere, so that's pretty awesome. And so his senator, coach, his head coach, is, yeah. head coach Dave Cameron was dismissed today, Dave Cameron. So that's now... True. There, uh, there's one less, one fewer Dave Cameron of of note in the world. I think that means we're no, down to one. He's still alive. He didn't die, right? Well, yeah, but an unemployed coach is it's not fun, nothing. He, um, there were a lot of there were yucks both on the public internet and also our private company. I guess listserv, or essentially, or um, chat chat business. People chat. know people know what Slack is. Slack. It's <laughs> called Slack. Yeah. We do we do we do business chatting there. Mm-hmm. We will claim uh, people will claim a, an article. For example, uh, you'll claim, oh, I'll do I'll write an article on Brandon Finnegan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who is a starting pitcher, Keith Law? I'm sorry. Uh oh. Sorry to say it. Watch out. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like someone's or, you know, in the business. Or you know, or not. I don't care. <laughs> Looks like someone's in the business of throwing down gauntlets. I've never. Uh, what is, what's the expression? Throwing shade. Is that is that what kids are saying so, now? Yeah, people, shade. People people say shade. People say shade. I throw shade. Sure. Is, is shade say. exclusively thrown? Is there any other verb that you can pull the shade down? Well, pull. Okay, but I don't think that's an expression. That's throwing a curveball, but that's not. Or is that a? Oh, that's right. That's how, that's the strategy for throwing the curveball, right? Yeah. Oh, here's a terrifying yeah. um, thing to investigate. Is is there a particular pitch on which the pitchers who've broken their arm while Pitching, have they all been throwing the same pitch? Is it is it always a breaking ball, for example? Oh, I have absolutely no idea. I, mean, I would it's, assume it's a, it's a macabre uh, line of inquiry. Yeah, I think what they probably have in common is that they're throwing baseballs hard, right. and they are prone to injury. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Jared Parker just broke his elbow, right again. Uh, yeah. The medial epicondyle, or whatever it is. There's a lot. Uh, I was at Safeco Field on Sunday, and we were we were there. Uh, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes before first pitch. I was looking up at the scoreboard, and it was going over some scores from around the league, highlights, news, and it settled uh, upon some news on Jared Parker because the Mariners were playing the A's, and so it was showing the A's players on the DL, and it listed Jared Parker, and it listed not just that he's on the DL with an elbow problem. It listed he's on a 50, 60-day DL because of a uh, a fractured or broken medial. Epic, epicondyle. I don't. A medial epicondyle. Let's just call it that. Yep. Let's call it that. It's definitely something like that. But it's 
if you think about it, like you're, let's say you're Jared Parker, you're probably in the dugout, maybe you're rehabbing, but maybe you're in the dugout and you're looking up at the scoreboard and you're thinking, there is my very specific injury. That is my medical information yeah. that is right there being broadcast to 40,000 people. Does that break any, uh, HIPAA laws? I honestly don't know. I don't know. It's like, I don't know how, uh, contract information gets out, cause mm-hmm. I think it's not supposed to, but I also don't know how, like, disabled lists specifics get out, but we always players, assume. Wait, the players that they will. union, I believe, prefers that the contract information is released, right? They Do like they? This. I think that it's good for them. Cause you list know. the amounts. You list the amounts, and that way there can be, yes, you say, cause that way, player B can be like, I want to get what player A got. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it always finds its way out, but like, I know with the, with the Mariners, they have, uh, they always say with every press release, terms of the contract were not released per club policy, but the terms always get out regardless. I just don't know who's doing the leaking. Because why would the Mariners have a club policy not to uh, divulge those figures if they're going to get out anyway? That they don't, yeah, maybe maybe it's so that all figures are regarded as unofficial somehow. I don't know why that would be to their advantage. And why is it, do you suppose, so uh, in baseball we know everything that's wrong with every player for the most part. We know exactly what is hurting, yeah. uh, why it's hurting, how badly it's hurting. Yeah. Uh, but uh, increasingly in other sports, and I know in particular uh, hockey, they are uh, they offer no specifics where it is you got you injured one of two things, your upper body or your lower body, and then it used to be that only happened in the playoffs, but now every injury is an upper body or lower body injury. Uh, a concussion is an upper body injury. If you if somebody skates on your did it an upper body injury, and you were sidelined, then I guess I get it from a competitive standpoint because if you're a hockey player, you don't want the other team to target that weakness. But I feel like it's still an interesting uh, distinguishing factor between the games where we have we where we couldn't have more information. I think on baseball players, and then with hockey players, we we almost couldn't have less. Well, I do know. So in football, right, and in, in um my experience with this is mostly through Bill Belichick. Belichick is constantly, he's very cagey with regard to releasing injury reports, right? Mm-hmm. So it's certainly to the advantage of the team, I think, to be obscure on that, on that front. I don't know, is there, and you think there's an advantage to the player too, so that it's not targeted? Yeah, and I guess with, with contact sports, it makes sense. In baseball, what, I mean, if you have a player who's, Injured, he's probably not playing, so I guess it doesn't matter. You don't have players really playing through injury much, and even if like the the center fielder were playing with a strained back, it's like what are you going to do? Hit the ball to his side better? So <laughs> I guess maybe it doesn't matter. But you could throw a ball at his back. That could always be fun. There's not enough intentional beanings in baseball. That's what I've always. Thought. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. Well, use this as a platform to spread the gospel. Jeff Sullivan. Is that is this my platform? This is it. Yes, this is what I'm offering you. I'm offering you a platform. Yeah. I guess let I'm surprised. Let's let's say I am surprised mm-hmm. there are not more minor leaguers called up for the specific purpose of drilling another guy on the head. That's a lot. Mm. That's a premeditated act. Pretty okay, much. maybe let's put it this way. I'm surprised that even in baseball's past that hasn't been a thing that has happened. Because baseball's past is full of these filthy neologisms, but then if you look at the game today, and it's a little more gentlemanly. Yeah. But you'd think, you know, like maybe in the 30s, some brutal team would be like, oh, that team has Babe Ruth on it. <laughs> Watch us kill him with this baseball. And we use this fungible reliever that doesn't mean anything, but he will make a sacrifice for the team. 
How many? How often? Uh, how many relievers per game in the nineteen in nineteen thirty? I don't know. Probably like half of one. Right. I think yeah. So maybe uh, it wasn't as much a priority. Also, the maybe they didn't throw as hard. I guess they threw pretty hard though. Still, and also, did players have helmets in nineteen thirty? I said again, it's another answer I should know, but <laughs> I feel like they didn't. I feel like they did not have helmets. How? When did helmets first become popular? Based anecdotally, without researching it at all, when do you think helmets? When do you think? At what point do you think? More than fifty percent of players are wearing helmets. Oh, uh, this is one of those things I should probably know off the top of my head. But yeah. instead, I'm uh, I. Uh, God, I don't know. No, you just know that you see some clips and players aren't wearing helmets, and you see other clips and players are wearing helmets. Yeah, I, I just think of, like uh, the last hockey player didn't wear a helmet uh, was playing into the early '90s, Craig McTavish, because he was kind of grandfathered in. But I feel like baseball was a little ahead of that. Okay. Yeah, I, well, I remember, for example, Roberto Clemente wearing a helmet. I feel like there's always there's always footage of Roberto Clemente wearing a helmet. And at the same time, I'm inclined to think that Rico Petroselli was not wearing a helmet. Is that possible? Because on account of the terrifying injury that, uh, you know, more or less ruined his career. I chose a bad time to laugh. <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah. But, but... Um, I, I would say 60s. Now, are players required to wear helmets, or are they, or do they just wear helmets because? No, I sorry. Wait, first of all, it was not Rico Petroselli. Why didn't you stop me? Because I, I wasn't paying attention. That's why I chose a bad time to laugh. Because <laughs> I wasn't. No, it wasn't Rico Petroselli. He had a long and lustrous career. Uh-huh. It was. Who's the one who got hit in the head? Another Italian name. Tony uh-huh. Conigliero. There you go. Yeah. So Tony Conigliero, did it, was he wearing a helmet the day he got hit? I think he got hit more in his eye anyway, so perhaps there would, uh, there would have been no uh, solution to it. But was he wearing a helmet that day? Sure. Let's say sure, but I don't know. <laughs> well, who might have been there? I guess you could ask Sacco or Vanzetti. <laughs> Yeah, we could ask Sacco or Vanzetti. Yeah. Did you determine whether you were more Sacco or more Vanzetti? Oh, I'm definitely more Vanzetti. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I swear that was part of the conversation last time. I had a bit of a confab with my uh, with my trusted peers, loved ones. And, oh, you, you got know, some we, trusted peers, huh? Well, I got a few. One of them's a bird. But then we kind of made a checklist. Do you have a bird? I, no, I just... There are birds. What kind of... You, what do you mean talking about? You see birds around? Yeah, I like birds. I'm, I'm my office is right by a tree, two trees, as a matter of fact. There's what bird birds do you get most frequently? Cute ones. Yeah, but I'm saying, I mean, what? I mean, you got chickadees. Oh, little cute birds. You got tufted titmice. <laughs> what am I, Rob Nyer? I don't, I don't know what birds are hanging out in the branches. What are you talking about? You look at birds, you never see, you never get curious. Say, so I wonder what kind of bird that is. Well, yeah, sometimes I get curious, but then I don't know where to begin looking up. Small brown bird. All right. Well, that sounds like a sparrow. Okay. I, I used mean, to probably... think that. I used to think I was seeing a bunch of sparrows, but someone told me, like, no, it's not a sparrow. And I was like, I'll take your word for it because I'm not going to pursue this. Well, you could do. You could Google. You could try and say what are the most common birds in Portland, you know, by frequency. And then those are probably the ones that are outside your window. You're not that special, Jeff. 
I think there was a well. One of those. Well, I, I talked to you about this a few months ago, but one of those birds actually came into my office once. He flew in through a window, not through a window. The window was open. The window was open. Yeah, he didn't just like cannibal. He threw in an opening glass. in the window. You cracked open the window, and he. Flew I cracked it. open the window that a bird came in. It was it was wonderful. It was the highlight of my work day. What kind of bird was it? A cute brown bird. <laughs> We've been over this. <laughs> You're not a very good uh, what entomologist, or is that bugs? That's bugs. You're not a very good, I don't know, maybe you're not a very good entomologist, too. <laughs> uh, but Did you ever go ornitho- to a... Ornithologist? Ornithologist, yeah, there you go. Paleontologist? No. Right. Well, I'm not, okay, I'm, let's, I am not a good anything, ornithologist. What, what about volcanologist? I'm not a very good volcanologist. Oh, I would, are you, would you say you're a decent armchair volcanologist? Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll go with decent armchair amateur Volcanologist. However, if I were to attempt a foray into volcanology for at least the first stretch of time, I would be very genuinely the world's worst volcanologist. Okay. All right. How about are you? Uh, how are you? How? What sort of seismologist are you? Worse. <laughs> it's less interesting. Would you feel comfortable retrofitting? Retrofitting. Would you feel comfortable retrofitting? Your colleague and friend Matthew Corey's house. No, but I would love to try to retrofit the brick townhouse I live in because I think it's going to collapse and I'm going to die here. As yeah, a matter of fact, I was going to ask you earlier, if we were on a podcast, yeah. right, we're, we're podcasting right now, it could actually happen right now. Sure. And then and then the big one hits and I'm here. Would I publish and the it? the big one hits. Yeah. What, uh, would you preface? Would you preface with this podcast? Well, with, uh, you know. The final seconds of Jeff Sullivan's life? I mean, I... It's it's a real pity any time you have to let content go to waste. <laughs> so, is it, does that count as like a snuff cast? Yeah, I don't is know how I is? would handle it. I don't I don't know what I would do. Well, you probably express some some curiosity at first, asking if I uh, fell. I, don't, I think you'd be okay. What, what's gonna what floor are you on? Top floor? I'm. It's the second story of a two story brick townhouse. But I think you're fine. Uh, you're fine. What what could happen? Brick is bad. Brick buildings collapse. Yeah, but what's gonna happen? What are you gonna? It's gonna fall. You're gonna fall one story. People, you don't die from falling one story. Well, I'm very frail. You're you're being dramatic, Jeff. I have I have panicked about this before. I died. The two. The you're died. not gonna die. And guess what? The the damage is to you. You know, because you, you're a renter. What's gonna What's gonna happen? You just move on. What's the What's your What's your most valuable possession. You know, I've actually talked about this. Uh, a girlfriend and I have talked about this. Where if uh, if if the big one were to hit, mm-hmm. then you know we'd be uh, inconvenienced. I think would be one word to use. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, especially if like she was at work and uh, and I was at work and we. Were and also, you'd be really confused by all the by all the corpses that were lying around the <laughs> yeah. town. Yeah, just yeah. like no, yeah. But uh, more than that, I think it would be a a, a welcome respite. From uh, from workaday stress, yeah. you know, like yeah. okay, so a big earthquake hit, 9.0 earthquake hits Portland, yeah, and Seattle in the Northwest. How f-ing soon do you think David Applin's going to be like, okay, well, you better write some articles for Fangraphs? No, I that's what right. Do, I know that's think, great. What do you think Chris Colabello's up to? You better f-ing write about it. I don't care that your house collapsed. This is his voice in my it head. It is exactly his voice. <laughs> it's exactly his voice. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I think that demanding that, David Appleman. I think that it's you. You put you in a great position because you would obviously have some leeway, 
as you put your affairs in order. But it would feel much, those would feel like really immediate, uh, sort of concerns. You know, you'd feel like you'd be really brushing up against something vital and important. Yeah. And, uh, and yet no one would expect, no one would really expect anything out of you. For like a long time. It would probably be, yeah. And yet for you, it would probably honestly be a less su- substantial impact on your life than it was on Matthew Corey's when his basement flooded and he had to tear up the carpets in the middle yeah. of the night. Yeah. 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 And, and then I was there when the carpets were out and they were just covered with staples pointing up. Oh yeah, dangerous staples. Yeah, and nails. that's the name of well, another office supply store that you could have <laughs> named, by the way. <laughs> Extreme and, staples. It refused to. Yeah. Uh, so uh, okay, so it's a walk. You take a walk around an urban environment, right? We've been over this. You. Uh, uh yeah, you walk, yeah, yeah. You it walk around yeah. a city. Yeah, you walk around a city. Okay, now let's say there's been a massive earthquake. City's destroyed. Is it still a walk or is it a hike? No, it's definitely not a hike. A hike also suggests it's a, it's a recreational purposes. I also feel as though there's preparation that's required for a hike. You're not just go on a hike. You have to put on this. There's it requires footwear. You're probably going to bring water with you so that you remain hydrated. Mm-hmm. There, I think there are greater concerns. There's a greater investment. If you say let's go for a walk. You'll be ready for the walk, I feel like, in – you could be ready in in a minute. Okay. Yeah, let's go for a walk. And now you're on – now you're already on your walk. Yeah. I'll put some shoes on, by which you mean any shoes that you own. Yeah, right. Whatever's near the door. We say, let's go for a hike. I feel like the hike will likely not start – it could, depending on, you know, how urban or rural your home is. But it's likely not going to start just outside your door. That's – boom. That might be another – might be another hmm. um, criteria. A walk begins as soon as you step outside your door. Mm-hmm. Hike? You're probably going somewhere. Yeah, you got to get to a trailhead, probably. Yeah, you need to you need to hit a trailhead. Trailhead is that? How does that compare in terms of dirtiness to neologism and <laughs> <laughs> and masticate for you? Oh yeah, I love my girlfriend. She's always giving me trailhead. No, come on. That's you didn't make it ambiguous at all. <laughs> you were like, sex. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. Uh, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't going for uh, for ambiguity. No, no, but that's that's what you would need to do. Uh, all the other ones, you you could use them in there. You could you could use them as they're supposed to be used, and they sound dirty in that. Yeah, and trailhead also could seem like that. I, I get, I see where you're coming from, but, but I've never thought of, uh, yeah. I've never thought of trailhead as being a dirty word. Okay, I guess I haven't either. Probably it refers to a usually a, a genuinely dirty place. Uh, Literally made of, dirty, made dirty of dirt. dirt. Yes, yeah. it is. It is generally dirty. That's like someone once said, uh, told me this joke: What's brown and sticky? A stick. A stick. Yeah. <laughs> a sticky is just an adjectival. It refers to the quality of it being a stick. How sticky is it? Well, 100%. It's a stick. That reminds me of a... What's E.T. short for? What? He's got little legs. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, that one just makes me laugh every single time. I've heard it like seven times. Yeah, that's a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> he does have short little legs. <laughs> you should have told that in your David, tell that in your David Appleman voice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's E.T. short for? He's got little legs. Oh! 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 From the Dice Man. Appleman. <laughs> Appleman. Yeah. <clears throat> He's lovely. He's a great man. So to circle back, uh, <laughs> to Letterman. To, to Letterman, uh, the inspection was performed by uh, Upcountry, I believe Upcountry Inspectors, based out of maybe Scarborough, Maine. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> you weren't kidding. This is going back 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. Wow. The, <clears throat> our inspector was Greg, and here, here's what I would like to relate to you. Greg was so competent. I, I explained to Greg at the beginning. I said, Greg, we are not in, we're not total idiots generically. However, on the subject of home maintenance and knowing what things are in the inside of the house, <laughs> we are we're, we're pretty bad. And so I hope if I even you know, if it was all right with you, we'd like to ask you some questions we're going through. For example, the, like a like a sample question might be, what's that? <laughs> and we're pointing at an object. Would you be able to answer it? And he was like, yeah. And I will say, you know, frequently uh, one's interactions with the world are, are not entirely positive. Frequently they're quite neutral. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg's, this, our interactions with Greg could have fallen under either category. They fell under neither. He was so helpful. He was, we were, of course we were paying him. We were paying, or we were paying his employer who, uh, Gives him, you know, he gets a commission or whatever. He was so patient and so helpful and so thorough, but but also uh, captivating at the same time, you know. And of course, we were sort of we were invested in it because it's a it's a building in which we might be living and you know having to repair certain items or at least know what they do. He and I was just it was just a great experience because he was so competent and also he was adept at. Taking the knowledge that was inside of him <laughs> and knowing exactly how much of it to disseminate to us at any given time. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Like at one point he told us that there's a plug in which the hot and neutral wires were, they were wired um, in reverse. Or, and, you know, but that's, that's not what he said at first. He was like, you should re- like, you should have an electrician reverse, uh, reverse the wires in this. And I was like, what are the implications of that? Like the fact that the hot and, like the hot and neutral wires are reversed. And he like looked inside himself and I could see him thinking and he goes, uh, it's a safety problem. (laughs) 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 He didn't explain why. He was just like, uh, and he was like, should I explain it? And he goes, it's a safety concern. Just have someone fix it. It's easy to that fix is, it. That is a, uh, a rare trait to find in a person who knows exactly how much to explain and know more. Yeah, he was, it was great. And by the end of it, I just, it was just a perfectly, it was the perfect professional relationship from beginning to end. I had no complaints. I was, it was the amount that it cost was the, the exact, I would have, I shouldn't say this, I would have paid more <laughs> for that. But I had no problem. I gave it away. I felt like we definitely got that amount in return. I've spent mm-hmm. that amount of money on for dumber reasons before is my point. Mm-hmm. It was great. I don't know. And I guess I was going to ask you, have you ever, you ever come across situations where you meet a wholly competent person like that? And you're like, this was great. 
You had yes. experience, yeah. 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 Well, so I I uh, don't have a lot of. I haven't had like a home inspection. I haven't had a relationship like that. But there are there are the uh, the service related experiences where you feel like uh, you both are just really on your game in a in a way, and you just you come away feeling better than you felt going in. Yeah. Uh, and it's those experiences that you need to redeem some amount of faith in the world around you, because uh, in general, it is a sea of horrors that wants oh, to yeah, uh, yeah. trample trample on your neck yeah uh but every so often there's 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 someone out there and i think you can just tell based on i don't know a short or even an intermediate uh length experience where you can just kind of like feel like you could wink at them and leave and say that's you're one of the you're one of the few good ones (laughs) those are it's like a little bond that we have that when when there is the uh the big one then uh, all the good ones get together and then they uh they actually end up slaughtered because they're too good to fight for themselves what if they're really competent at the same time? They'll be preserved. They'll be protected if they're really good at what they do. What they do isn't going to matter when the world ends. Hmm. You have a you have a local catastrophe. It doesn't matter if you're a really good service assistant at the Cuban restaurant across the street. What does a service assistant do? With I don't know. I just put two words together. That's not even the thing. You do you live the across service. the street from a Cuban restaurant, though? I do live across the street from a Cuban restaurant. That's where I was right before this podcast. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Wait, it's not... Uh, no, it's but, not MBJ. Which one's that? <laughs> okay, so I looked too far ahead in the conversation. Oh, yeah, is it Pambiche? <laughs> that's, that's actually that's the one I was about which I was going to ask you. Yeah, wow. I can't... I'm finishing your sentences. It's no, it was Pambiche, not that though. one. Okay. No. I used to live very close to Pambiche. Yes, I did. Yeah. I uh, I know that. I, I think uh, I don't I, think I ever ate there once though. I don't know. It was fine. It looked good. Yeah, it's lively. Yeah, like sure. Right. It was Cuban restaurant. Festive. Bright colors. Festive color. Yeah. And in the in the Cuban restaurant across the street from here, they have some uh, autographed <laughs> pictures to the owners of the restaurant, autographed by uh, Cuban Mariners players such as Kendrys Morales mm-hmm. and Unieski Betancourt. Oh. And uh, there's actually a Raleigh Bonnie's picture in there. I know he was born in New York, but is he of Cuban heritage? I don't know. I guess it doesn't matter. But uh, you don't a, have to be Cuban to enjoy delicious Cuban food. I mean, that's true. Be. Although you're, they're clearly being posted for their Cuban background. Lifted record state. Uh-huh. Well, they they could also be there because they're famous baseball players. Hey, there's Red Flag. Red I used flag. to go there too. You go to Red Flag ever? Nope, don't even know what it is. That's a 28th and uh, 28th and I don't know what the cross street is here. Flanders. Is it still? Yeah, I think it is. That's a block south of. That's a block south of Palm Beach. Wait, there's two Cuban restaurants. Cuban no, it's not. It's a bar. Oh. Oh. Okay, yeah. It's owned no, by I Danny. Know. At least it used yeah. to be owned by Danny. Yeah, I know that. So, uh, hey, how many baseball games do you watch? Uh, a bunch right now, or I mean, not, none really like right through. It's more, um, you know, I jump around. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to someone the other day about. They're like, "Oh, you must watch a lot of baseball games," and I was telling them, "Well, actually, I watch almost no baseball games. I just watch a lot of baseball." Yeah, excerpts like, of games. Yeah, I think. Yeah. It's, well, I think that you and I are both probably interested. We become more interested in particular players than than teams. Yeah, it's it's 
uh, it separates one from the usual fan experience, though, which makes it maybe a little... Maybe it's better for us, or maybe it's worse uh, to be. No, I think it's better. I'm gonna tell you why it's better because you. Yeah. Because well, no, but I think this happens to anyone. You become attached. You become attached to because there's still like if when you start writing about it, there are still people like for example when I wrote about Corey Kluber a lot, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I became became friendly with and developed correspondences with Cleveland fans. And they were excited about thinking about Corey Kluber because he pitched for their team. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fine. But, you know, Sherman Johnson's, Sherman Johnson's the dude right now. Oh, look at that. Two for three today with a triple. And a stolen base. And a cut well, And a walk. What level, what level is he at? Double A. He's is that, uh, is that the Arkansas Travelers? Yeah. Huh. Oh, are you watching them right now? Heavens no. Sherman Johnson. Sherman Johnson. Got a baseball player's name, let me tell you. Apparently loves baseball. Sherman I learned Lee that Johnson. actually from watching baseball. I was watching the Arkansas Travelers game, and they were talking about how impressed they were with uh, Sherman Johnson's enthusiasm for the game. Apparently when he's not playing baseball, he's like playing like he's playing like a baseball video game. Loves uh-huh. baseball. Yeah. Baseball family. Yeah. Seems to love watching baseball more than he loves playing it on account of last year he batted 204. You know, I know that you're going to point that out. I'd like to, <laughs> I'd like to direct your attention to some of his, to some of his statistical indicators. And I think that you'll find that uh, they're not, they're actually not that poor. It's just uh-huh. a victim of a low batting average and ball in play. Okay. And if you look at some of his historical numbers, those are also quite strong too. I yeah, think he did really well in Inland Empire. Yeah, well, uh, people do well in Inland Empire. I feel like you're not getting past the slash stats, Jeff. Uh-huh. And I'm gonna need you to get the f- past the slash stats. Okay, get me past him. Right here. Get me past him. What am I looking at? Walk rate? That doesn't matter. Uh, well, no, whoa, 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 whoa. Walk rate is not necessarily a non-issue. Uh, it's you're right. It matters less for for players in the minor leagues, uh, certainly in the low minors. But uh, it's not a non-issue. It you know, suggests that he exhibits some selectivity and. He's been pretty close in some seasons to a, a to a zero percent differential. Um, he's got he's always posted uh, or for the most part he's posted above average or better than league average strikeout rates. He walks up quite a bit. Plays uh, by all accounts a slightly above average second and third base. Got decent stolen base numbers. He's got a complete got a total package. I think he's I think he's gonna be an average major leaguer. I think left to his own devices he would be an average major leaguer. Give him an well, you know what? Uh, Give him an you know opportunity. What I just noticed. Yeah. Uh, Max Schrock is batting 176. Oh no! <laughs> oh, that's true. What, and who was your yeah. guy? Do you even remember your guy? Yeah. Oh yeah, Miles Jones. You mean the guy batting 313 with a 625 slugging? Are they on the same team? No, they're, no. they're not even the same. They're in the same league, so the Sally League. They're both in single A. The Miles Jones is beating the shit out of Max Schrock. Jones yeah. has already got a dinger to his name. No yeah, walks, I, but you know why? He just sees meatballs. I don't, I'm spelling Miles wrong yeah. every time. Yes, you are. It's M-Y-L-Z. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I guess we'll have to see how this unfolds. Yeah. And like I know, okay, some people might point out that Miles Jones is only batted 16 times this year, but it's like I might argue back, 
how many more plate appearances does he need to prove that he's better than Max Truck? And my answer would be none. You know, if you do look at their player pages, though, you find that no articles have been written about Miles Jones. But under for Max Schrock, though, an airtight case has been made for Max Schrock's possibilities of becoming a future MVP. So I don't know. It looks like Miles Jones. It looks like no one's taking the time to write about him. Whereas oh. with regard to Max Schrock, yeah, there appears to have been a well-researched, well-documented case for Max Schrock to become the future MVP of the National League. Uh-huh. So, uh, so your piece of shit plays second base. I'm noticing, mm-hmm. and uh, and my all star, he's a center fielder. <laughs> and last year he was a shortstop, but now he's a center fielder because he probably wasn't a very good shortstop. <laughs> right, and center fielders yeah. and second basemen have the same positional adjustment. Yeah, but center fielders are a uh, better prospect. Yeah, yeah, your uh, your guy could not even handle shortstop. He was uh, he was primarily a second baseman as he was drafted. That's pathetic. Actually, I know this from having watched him play as a uh, as a collegiate player. He played mostly left field. Uh-huh, yeah, athlete. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I look forward to Max Schrock winning the MVP award. And I look yeah. forward to well, Sherman Johnson posting a two-win season someday soon. Well, I look forward to Miles Jones winning whatever award becomes a higher honor than the MVP <laughs> in that same season. Hey, Miles Jones, he's playing, uh, he's in Asheville, North Carolina. He's not too far away from, uh, our own Dave Cameron. No. Actually, though, I think, I believe as of this moment, you're closer to Dave Cameron than Max Schrock or Miles Jones. That's true. Dave Cameron is in Bend, Oregon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's, uh, he's currently on Mount Bachelor, I would assume. He's yeah. skiing. Yeah, he is. Does anyone ever call Bend, Oregon, Bend Over again? Uh, so there's a, there's a, there's an author. He's uh, an author of, like, outdoorsy. Books. He does basically like trails, trail books. Mm-hmm. So he has a he has a book about the Columbia River Gorge, mm-hmm. and that's called Curious Gorge. Which okay, whatever, plan words. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And uh, and he has a book on the Bend area, and it's called Bend Overall. Bend Overall. Bend Overall. Bend, bend Overall. Comma, overall. But it's just it's just close enough to be uh, euphemistic. So is that uh, like um oh okay Bend Overall? That's like um. Uberalis. Sure. Yeah, that's exactly what he was going for. Are you familiar with that term? Yes. But it was that was Deutsch wasn't that Deutschland Uberalis? Yeah. That's dark actually. That's a bit of a dark. Hmm. I understand he was going for the pun, but to invoke the I don't know, I don't know who did the Nazis use Uberalis? I assume that they that they adopted it and would say Deutschland Uberalis. It's a little dark. Is it a is it a dark book, Jeff? I was looking something else up. Yeah, I'm talking just yeah. wondering if it's a dark book. Yeah. I have a uh, it's actually yellow. I have a friend uh, who is he's a uh, a medical physicist. I think I've talked about him before because he's also the one who busted his ACL at the trampoline gym. It doesn't oh, matter. Yeah. So he uh, he does a lot of traveling for work because he uh, his company serves hospitals and clinics in a bunch of different states. So he'll take small airplanes sometimes around to go to more rural towns or even a place like Bend is a smaller airport. So there is an airport in North Bend. Like the northern part of Bend, Oregon, there's yeah. an airport there, and there's also an airport in North Bend, 
Oregon, North Bend being a separate town, North Bend being four and a half hours away. And uh, there was a uh, there was a woman. There was a mix-up, it sounds like, is there was going to happen. There was a mix-up. A woman got on the wrong airplane oh, no. uh, because she thought she was going to North Bend, Oregon, but she wound up in North Bend, Oregon. And I guess these airlines operate on such a small level that you can actually have that kind of mix-up because it's just like a guy who maybe glances at your ticket and he's like, yeah, get on that airplane over there on the... I don't know, parking lot or whatever they call them, tarmac, I guess. But, uh, yeah, a woman definitely went to the wrong town because there's North Bend and there's North Bend. Do you know which one she was intending to visit? She intended to go to North Bend, Oregon, which is a nice coastal town, uh, and she wound up in uh, North Bend, Oregon, which is a nice central town. North Bend. North Bend. <laughs> she, she wound she up wanted in North to go Bend. To, she, wanted she wanted to go, to, go to, to North Bend. Bend. No, she no. You're getting this wrong. She wanted, she to, go wanted to, to go to North Bend. Bend. Yes, but she wound up in North Bend. In the northern part of Bend, Oregon. Yes. Whoops. How, how did she deal with it? Uh, poorly. <laughs> is my understanding. There was uh, there was much lamentation. Yeah. Uh, much airing of uh, of grievances. Did she rent uh, any garments? Much much feeling. I don't know if she rented any uh, any garments. It's warmer though in North Bend than it is in North Bend. Uh, so I don't know because you know if you do that then the not airplane is not in summer. Be, like, it's not. Yeah. No. It's yeah. Wait. I'm, what I'm are you saying? Which one are you Bend. saying is? <laughs> which are you saying North, is warmer? North Bend. Oregon. Bend, Oregon, the northern part of Bend, Oregon, is warmer than North yeah. Bend, Oregon, on the coast. Definitely in the summer. Yeah. What about the winter, though? Because I would think... No. That in, no, no Bend obviously. is cooler than North yeah. Bend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, a fun fact, North Bend is south of Bend. This <laughs> <laughs> is South Bend, Oregon. They should be closer together, is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> like, I oh. get it. Well, there's a South Bend, Washington, which is north of North Bend, Oregon, which is south of Bend, Oregon. Okay. I think we got this straight. Yeah, sounds good. Hey, Jeff, you've uh, I think you've gone ahead and fulfilled your obligation to the program. Yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah. So I want to thank you. Well, I want to thank you. Okay. That has been uh, Jeff Sullivan, senior editor at Fangraphs.com. Ooh. And Carson Sestouli. This has been Fangraphs Audio. Thank you, Garden. Yeah, you're welcome.